When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you feel about serving lunch to a sea lion? Or looking after a newborn giraffe? Or even washing a crocodile's face? Well, all of these things are taken in stride by a very special group of people. They are the staff of Dublin Zoo, and this is their story. At the moment, we're, we're standing between uh, two one-and-a-half-ton elephants. Coffee and Walnut are the names, and the man who looks after, after the two of them is Joe Byrne. Joe, what, what sort of job is this? Well, it, it's, it's, quite, it's quite risky, <laughs> to, to say the least. That, that's, who's that now, pulling over the gate? That's so Coffee just the closing the gate. Yeah, they're really intelligent, aren't they? They are they're very intelligent, yes, and they, have a, they can retain things, you know, they have a memory. Yeah. So. What sort of relationship have you got with them now? Well, very, very good, good. Very, very good at the moment. You know, they're both youngsters. They're ten years old at the moment, and uh, they are fully grown, about fifteen to eighteen years. You know, they're sexually mature around twelve years. So, anything uh, could happen in a few years' time. But at the moment, they, they are okay. They, they in fact could crush you at any stage. Couldn't they, they could, yeah. Even yeah. though they're only ten years old, they are quite strong, yeah. very strong. So how do you keep control of them, apart from that <coughs> well, stick you have well, there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the moment, it works. You see, um, they're like, uh, <clears throat> you know, kids or adolescents. Uh, they start off, you know, just push you around, you know, just to see how far they'll actually get with you. And, yeah. of course, if, if you don't correct them then or give them a smack, they'll continue. Mm. They'll so they further. respect that? Yes, they go further every time. Yeah. Uh, you have to be very firm with them. <clears throat> what normal day-to-day -day things do you have to do for, for these chaps, uh, these ladies, rather, <laughs> apart from the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, you, you come in first thing in the morning and uh, you just say good morning to them, you know, and you usually get a trumpet blow to make sure that they're, they're okay. Uh, you, to take, to take uh, four buckets of water then each, lukewarm water, tepid water, first thing in the morning, a couple of bananas or apples, little titbits. Then, of course, uh, they're scrubbed down with a wire brush. That's and they're, they're very, they're kind that's of scaly right, there. That's, yeah. that's right, yeah. especially yeah. along the back. Mm. And uh, they're quite, quite big ears there as well, as you can see. She, she's, she's listening very attentive to the whole lot. <laughs> what about some talcum powder? <laughs> well, we use coconut oil on their skin. Coconut oil? Coconut, we, uh, we get it in in blocks, and we melt it down and just put it on with an ordinary paintbrush. It takes quite a while, but they look well after it, and it keeps the skin nice and moist. Another job that uh, I have to do is uh, their feet have to be maintained and toenails. A bit of a manicure, is it? A bit of a manicure, yes. <laughs> we have a little uh, kind of a concrete stool out there, and they just put a foot up on it, and we use a, a rasp uh, and a wire brush just to clean them off. Actually, uh, there was a keeper killed by an elephant here at the turn of the century. Uh, I think it was Zeta. Uh, he was after manicuring its, its nails, and uh, she just cut him around the waist. Uh, 
with her trunk and just threw him onto the ground and just put a foot on him, crushed him with her foot. And uh, I believe having done that, she, she went on and put the trunk around his waist to try and lift him up again. So they are quite dangerous, aren't they? Oh, they can, they yeah. can be, they can be deadly. I can, I can feel her now. Now this, she's, yeah, she, she's pushing she's, she's her head now pushing, against yes. my back, and she's very, yeah. very strong. <laughs> well, see, is it a case maybe sometimes that they, they think they're playing and they don't understand how weak? Well, we are? Uh, they, they can. They are inclined to play with you, but uh, it's, it's a little too rough for, for our liking. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we're no match for them really. So in a way, you have a dangerous kind of a job, don't you? It is. It's, it's very dangerous. Well, Joe, you don't only look after the elephants, of course. No, I, I look after the hippos as well. Yeah, I've yeah. got I've got two babies over there too. <laughs> so we take a walk over and have a look at the, right, what okay. the, the hippos' names are. Gilbert and Linda. So we go over and see Gilbert and Linda. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> In the hippo uh, enclosure, uh, just looking into the the, uh, the pair of them here, Gilbert and Linda. Which one is Linda? This is Linda. This Linda standing on the beside us here yeah, at the moment. Yeah. So, what sort of weight now are we talking about these? I'd say yeah. roughly about a ton each. Mm. Now show us how you shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> this, this really has to be seen to be believed, but at least we can describe what happens. <laughs> well, uh, uh, instead, of, instead of hands, uh, I usually tickle his tongue. His tongue. That, that's Gilbert. Come on, Gilbert. Well, let's have a look at this. Come now. on, Gilbert. Open now, Gilbert has just opened his cavernous mouth that's here, and Joe is shaking his tongue. That's let's hear that now. That's a good boy. He's a good boy. Um, how do you feel about wobbling a hippopotamus's tongue? <laughs> <laughs> I feel it's quite good. <laughs> well, he's not complaining about it anyway. I believe um, there's actually more people killed by hippos than by any other animal. Yeah. Yeah. Up to so, up to 300 well, people a year. Do you not feel nervous now? That that's Linda there. That's, this is Linda. This is yeah. Linda beside us here. Mm. Do you not feel a little bit nervous putting your putting your hand in? No, not really. No. Mm. Those teeth are fairly... Uh, they are quite nasty, sharp. they're quite sharp. <laughs> they're on uh, a bale and a half of hay between them per day, plus uh, one bucket each of uh, concentrates, calf nuts and uh, spillers, uh, a couple of dozen bananas, apples, uh, cabbage, carrots, anything that's gone, they'll even eat, eat uh, tomatoes. Yeah. Now, there's times that as I say, you've got to be, you've got to be careful with them. But you nearly know straight off by looking at them how they're going to react. So you, you, you just don't, don't take any chances with them. You sound to be very happy at, at your work with these guys. Ah, yeah, well, I, I always enjoy looking after animals, always did. Mud, mud, glorious mud. Nothing quite like it for cooling the blood. So follow me, follow. Down to the hollow, where they'll let us follow in glorious mud. The proudest keeper in the zoo at the moment must be Brendan Price, because one of his giraffes recently gave birth to a beautiful baby. Brendan, how do you feel? I feel like a father myself. I've been with this, the mother here, Patricia, uh, for the whole of the winter, the latter stages of her pregnancy, when the youngster was growing fairly fast in her. And um, last Tuesday, she started to calve at about half four in the evening. 
So we let her into the house, and uh, she had a fairly difficult time of it. It's a long um, delivery with giraffes, and uh, she dropped this fine, healthy youngster you can see here with the distinctive leg markings, which will disappear with age, you know, the nice stripes on the front of the legs. And uh, the youngster, from the time he was born, in his natural state, would have to be up and about fairly fast. And it's been up and feeding, we know for certain, two days afterwards, and we're sure it was, it was getting food before that. You know, so she's six foot tall, and uh, she'll make the same size as her mother. Now, is, is there much of a problem uh, for you to bring, to bring the calf into the world? Uh, well, like all the animals we have here, they're wild, and um, any disturbance is stressful to them. So, unless we've, we foresee big problems, or particularly hard delivery or something, we don't interfere. We just check on her on an hourly basis to see that the, um, the birth is proceeding as normal, and uh, we leave her alone. You know, it's the best way to let her get amateur herself. Now, I'm just looking at the, at the mother. How high would she be now when she stands? Patricia there now is about uh, 16 foot. Um, a record-sized giraffe is about 18.6 from horn to hoof. Now, if you wanted to look into her ears, for example, <laughs> how would yeah. you go about doing that? <laughs> well, this, this, is, this, this is one of the problems you have in a zoo. Um, like I say, they're wild animals, and um, you can't really restrain them in any way, and we don't interfere as little as possible. Now, if, say, you had to carry out a veterinary examination on a giraffe, the only choice you really would have, in the absence of a crush, which we don't have here, the only real jo choice you have is to actually sedate the animal. And in the case of a giraffe with the long neck, um, it's a matter of keeping the head up there so she can breed regularly. So if you had, say, a problem, like you mentioned, with ears or something, you probably would have to sedate her. Like giraffes, to give uh, people an idea of how tall they are, you're really talking of... Uh, a double-decker bus is about 14 foot 6, and uh, all these animals are 3, 4, and 5 feet over that, you know, which actually creates, a, you know, you think of logistical problems. That, uh, when we, we, there was a stage here before Photo Wildlife Park opened up, and we had nine giraffes in this house altogether, and uh, then we were shipping some of them down to Photo, and you need a particularly, you can't, a giraffe has to stay standing, it won't lie down in the box, and um, so you need a particularly tall horse box, as such, an oversized horse box. And uh, you have to pick roads with no bridges. You know, and this, it was very difficult actually mapping out a road from here to Cork uh, where uh, a giraffe box could, you know, pass unimpeded. <laughs> you seem to be in this job for your love of animals. Well, I think anybody that is in this job has to be. Uh, it's traditionally a, a Dublin job. It's very much a part of Dublin and uh, very much part of the national scene. It's our national zoo as such. And uh, I think everybody that is in this job is in it, you know, for a love of animals, uh, because they believe in the conservational concept and uh, zoos have an important role to play in that. You know, and I think, you know, in this respect, we'd like to get increasing support from the public, from the membership. Uh, every, everybody really has something to contribute to a zoo, you know, even if it's only going up and seeing the animals and telling their... Uh, friends and relations about them and uh, the, how, the, you know, the, danger, the endangered status of some of them and how we can do a little bit to, uh, to avoid the situation deteriorating any further. The giraffe house may have the zoo's youngest animal, but here in the reptile house lives a very impressive character. The keeper here is Joe Smart. Joe, can you tell us about the fellow we're looking in at at the moment? This is Tommy the crocodile, <laughs> and we're very proud of Tommy. Actually, at the moment now, I'd say he's the longest living crocodile in captivity. He's on our books here since 1937. That would make him 47 years here. And from the description I have of the size of him when he arrived here, 
I say Tommy's in his 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Now, crocodiles live something like a human, could go 80, 100 years. And as you can see from him, he's quite placid and happy there. He's not exactly overworked here, is he? He's not overworked, but we're looking at him the way a crocodile would naturally be. They're quite content to lie in a pond once his needs are cared for. He's happy. He looks quite a fierce character. Now, would you chance going into the cage and walking around while he's Oh, there? I do. I have a routine, of course, and it's important that that routine be maintained. You know, he knows what I'm going to do. I know what he's going to do. So once we don't break with that routine, I don't alarm him in any way. As you can see, as you're looking into the cage, there are two doors, one either end. Aloy will always approach from this end. Now, he's used to that. He won't be alarmed. But if I come at him from the other end, this might upset him. I don't actually swim around with him, but uh, I have to wash his face now and again because he tends to... How, how would you wash his face? Well, <laughs> I know it sounds like just with a, a brush, you know. Mm. And he, he, he seems like to like it. it. He'll tolerate it. Once you start at the nose, it just gently, and you know, he'll get used to it. And this green that you will see in, let's say, in a fish tank, that will build up on any creature living in water, like Tommy. And we can get that off and, you know, turn him out to look his best. What sort of grub now would he have? Yeah, he doesn't need all that much. Uh, we feed him once or twice a week. And it's mostly horse flesh. Chicken is a very good diet because you have a, a better balanced diet in the chicken and it doesn't add too much weight. Mm. How long have you known Tommy? I'm here at the zoo since around 58. Mm. Now the man before me, Mr. Kelly, who passed on of course, he was here 50, 60 years. You know, the, the keepers in the zoo you know, it went on for years and years. We had 40, 50, and 60 years experience with keepers. So you're sort of a, a beginner up to 20 years. Mm. And it was usually a, a family job handed down from father to son. The supples were here from the beginning of the zoo. They span back over the 150 years. You have a very years. unusual job, haven't you? Uh, looking it's, after a fellow like him. Yeah, well, it's an interesting job. And then there's an attachment. You form attachments to the particular animals. You know, you just get fond of People might look in and say it's an old crocodile, but he has a certain something about him, and I see an intelligence in him that probably other people wouldn't. Now, um, crocodiles get a very bad reputation as a man-eater. You know, if a crocodile kills a person, it's headlines. If a lion were to do it, it's not the same thing. And it, it, it's, a, it's something that people give a very bad impression of, of reptiles. To the world. When you look at it from a conservation point of view, you know, a man has been eaten by a crocodile, then everybody wants to kill a crocodile. You know, it's, it's a very bad impression to give. There's a nice side of the nature. You will see documentaries on television, the mother gently taking the young down from the nest to the water and that. And that's the impression that I prefer to see portrayed about a crocodile. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not important. Well, it is important that a crocodile will eat a person, so just don't swim as a crocodile. But that it should end there. You know, and look at the good side of it. He's in the natural chain and he plays his part. And it would be a pity to see them extinct. But Eric Tommy in this cage, anyhow, is he's an ambassador for the rest. And uh, I think he's quite a good one. Mm, he's a big favourite. <laughs> he's a big favourite. A lot of people know and remember him. Yeah. And as elderly people say, is that the same crocodile? <laughs> you know? I'm sure you're one of the few people who can say that one of your best friends is a crocodile. Yes, I would trust Tommy a lot more than a lot of people because I know what to expect from him. Well, at the moment we're in the monkey house here.
and <clears throat> uh, the man who looks after, or one of the men who looks after the monkey house here is Mick Clark. Mick, you're, you're getting some dinner ready there for the monkeys yeah, or lunch? Or indeed, what, yes. what, what are you getting ready um, there? That's for uh, Spider Monkey and that's for Macaws. Now, can you tell us what's in yeah. there for the Spider Monkey? Well, the Spider Monkey has a head of lettuce, a banana, some corn and cake, apple, boiled potato. He's doing carrots, all right, isn't he? And uh, some monkey chow. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't eat meat now, does he? Yes, they eat boiled meat. You know, they don't, not a lot of it. You, know. mm -hmm. you have 30, 12 cages here altogether. And you have a different breed of monkey in every cage. You can have favourites, <clears throat> but not pets. Because uh, if you make a pet of one monkey, the other monkeys will turn on it. Uh, and the danger is you could turn on me as well. You know, so uh, pets are ruled out. Yeah, favourites, yes. We had a large male gibbon out there. Uh, he was Jimmy. A lot of people would remember him, and older people would remember him, you know. Um, I think he was the liveliest gibbon we ever had here. You know, he, he was amazing the way he could drop from the top and swing back up from the bottom, you know. Yeah. Well, you, you told me there the other day that you used to find certain things inside. Oh, yes. Um, anything from fountain pens to glasses, um, umbrellas, um, even a, a wig. <laughs> Tell us that story <laughs> about the lady who lost her wig. <laughs> well, poor unfortunate woman, she, she was rubbing the gibbon on the arm. But he, he'd have it of putting the arm out for you to rub it. And, and then while he got you into rest and rubbing the arm, he'd reach out with the other hand and, and he'd snatch whatever was convenient. And for her, um, it was a hairpiece. Did she ever get it back? <laughs> oh, she did, oh yes. Oh, she got it back. Intact. <laughs> well, if they get, get a little bit out of hand now, what sort of things would you do to punish them? Would you have to? No, you wouldn't punish them. No, because you'd only make them more aggressive then. You know, you, they, they won't respond the same as a child to a slap, you know. Because if, if, if you uh, went to slap him, you'd break it. Have you ever been bitten by a monkey? Oh, yes. What's it like? Um, sour. <laughs> Pretty sour. Uh, nothing very bad now, like, um, I've been stitched all right. Uh, nothing very serious. A lot of people might think that it's absolutely necessary to be an animal lover, to be a zookeeper. How do you view that relationship? Well, I suppose like all jobs, it's a matter of getting stuck into it. But uh, no, you don't have to be an animal lover. Uh, you have to respect animals more so than love them. And the work can be uh, repetitive, tiresome at times. Uh, there's a lot of washing, you know, and no matter how well you wash a cage today, come in tomorrow, you still have to wash the same again, you know. Um, but it, is, it has its compensations, you know. The, um, yeah, I, I think you get a good return from monkeys. We're also joined here by, by Frank Burke. Burke, who also looks after the monkeys here with me. Now, Frank, you, you look after Chimpanzees, chimpanzees especially, yeah. don't you? Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll and, take uh, a walk down there and, and, yes, and meet the chimps. <laughs> I'll be going down there shortly now, yes. Okay, we'll have a look down there and see how we get on with them. Right on.
We're just standing here in the in the, uh, the chimps enclosure. Now, were you saying this is the oldest? This is the oldest structure in the zoo, the inside here, the octagonal room at the back of the chimps. It's uh, 155 years old. It was actually built the, the year the zoo opened. The so they all look to be very happy there, very contented. Oh, indeed they are. There's the three females there, the large three females. You see, that's mother and son you're looking at there. That's Wendy and her youngster who's going to spit at you now, I think. They're looking very warily at me. Do oh, they, yes. They, 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 do they know you, you, though? Oh, they do, yes. Oh, well. Of course. Well, we're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> as far as they're concerned. Well, I keep them and they, yeah. it's to me they turn, you know. You're just... Making sure I don't get too close there. <laughs> yes, they spit at me. Why yeah. would they do that? Well, this is a habit they actually picked up from the public. They, they, they mimic people, you know. And uh, during the summer months here, you get the odd roughneck in, you know, who'll spit at them and that, and they, of course, know how to do this. And it's a way of showing their discontent with whatever is going on around them at the time. Now, in here, they wouldn't take too kindly to the strangers like yourself. It's just that you're such a distance from them now, your respectable distance. So. We won't have any problems. You can see this character, he's very curious. When they get to that age there, the youngster there now is four, five years of age, you can forget about handling them after that if they haven't been handled up to it. A very dangerous and unpredictable animal. Very, very dangerous. Well, there are five of them now in that cage. Yes. If I were to just walk in there, what would happen? Oh, well, what kind of flowers do you like? <laughs> is that bad? Oh, it is that. That'd be the end. But there's no way you'd get in anyway without them getting out because they'd be going past you at the door. <laughs> so that's a lesson to people who may think that chimps are just. Cooking. Oh, they're very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. And uh, that that mouthful of teeth at, there are very, very. At the moment, I'm about six feet away from this one here, Wendy. Wendy, and uh, I feel uh, a little bit frightened. Yeah, and she would be the, the more dangerous of, the, of all the chimps in there. But the way she's looking at me is if yeah. to say, well, you know, you've got no business here. Oh, that's it. She feels she'd feel no business. She's no. throwing little bits of stones, stones and things over. <laughs> you seem to have no trouble uh, uh, communicating. Not, not all. Not all. Not all. We're old friends. They use mugs in the morning now. They, they drink from mugs. And of course, you they must actually have, have mugs. mugs. Hot milk them. and ribena. And they drink it from Sorry mugs. about the commercial, but that's the way it is. They drink yeah. it from mugs, yes. And you must, of course, retrieve the mugs from them. And do they, they use the mugs just like we do? Oh, yeah. So they would sit there with them empty until I took them off them. If it was ten minutes, they'd still sit there with a the mug in their hand. Do you think they ever think you'd teach them to use a knife and fork? It, they, they could, but what they'd use it on is nothing. And I'm now looking a rhinoceros straight in the eye. <laughs> and this rhinoceros, his name is Jody, and he's one of two here at Dublin Zoo. A male and a female, and the man who looks after them is Matt Wilson. Matt, is it a very tricky job looking after these guys? Well, at the present moment it is, yeah. You see that, you see his behaviour now, he's upset with the, with the mic, you know? But normally he's, uh, he is very quiet. Now there is something he does like, isn't there? Well, he likes to, uh, to be stroked, of course, around uh, the ears, you know? This is uh, oh, yeah. a thing that you do. Yeah, uh, most animals do, do like it anyway, you know? Yeah. Come on, Johnny, come back, over here, come on. That's the fellow. Come on, come on, come on. I've never stroked a three-ton rhino in the air, or any rhino for that matter. Feels quite warm. The it is, yes, yeah, yeah. It's lovely. And Matt, you've been uh, a keeper here for quite a long time. 
isn't that right? What, what, 27, 27 years, yes. That makes, over 27 years. that makes you the longest serving keeper here. Well, I think uh, near enough to it anyway. <laughs> Have you enjoyed the, the Oh, it's been a great, yeah, it's a great, great job, of course. You know, it's, I suppose it's second to none, actually, because it, uh, it's an outdoor life and uh, you're mixing with animals and it's a job once you uh, become used to it. It's a job you wouldn't change for anything at all, you know. To, to us lay people, we mightn't think that it'd be possible to form a relationship with a rhinoceros. Oh, you do. Actually, it, it can happen with any animal. It doesn't matter how small or big it is, you know. It's just the animal that you're working with every day, you do get attached to them, you know. And it is a, it's, a, it's a bond between you and the animal all the time. How do you go about approaching him uh, in order not to startle him? Or can you do it, can you do it in any, can you approach him in any direction? You can approach him in any direction, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's only a matter, as I said, it's only a matter of uh, letting him know what you're doing by speaking to him. You do actually do speak to him, you know. And uh, that way he knows where you are and that you're not going to do anything unawares with him, you see. So that way you, uh, you get on better with him that way. I suppose we better leave him to his food. So, what is it now? Breakfast or lunch? Oh, it's lunch now. Lunch yeah. now. Yeah, it's the main, the main meal of the day for him actually. So, so what's on for lunch? Well, he's going to get a nice, some nice hay, which is, is, they do love, you know, nice sweet hay. And uh, we'll see what else is available for them. Do you ever have any little treats like chocolate bickies or anything for him? Yeah, well, we do give them the little treats, all right, but not, not biscuits, <laughs> I'm afraid. What would be a treat for him? Well, a nice bit of uh, fruit would be nice. No apples or whatever is available. Zookeeping has in the past been handed down from father to son quite a bit. And two people keeping this tradition alive here at Dublin Zoo are Jerry Creighton, Jr. and Sr. Jerry, Jr., can you tell me how you got interested in the job? Well, I'd always been interested in it because I'd been around it from a very young age, like coming up the weekends with my dad helping him. So I always seemed to be around it and it was always something that I wanted to do. You know, it seemed to be part of, part of the, the job like in the family because Dad taking it home, and it was just something I was always interested in. Now, you're the newest keeper here in the zoo, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I've started six weeks ago. Well, now, Jerry Senior, you look after the tigers here at the zoo. Yeah, I look you? after the lions and the, the tigers, mainly. Yeah, so we're going to go and have a, have a look at the tigers. Yeah, well, this, that male, that's the male outside there. He's four and a half years of age and uh, his mate is inside at the moment that's why she's not on show today she's expecting cubs so, so hopefully we'll have them within the next day or two the the cubs what sort of a problem will that present for you or will it present any well hopefully not but uh you will get the odd time you know that there's one maybe not doing so well and uh I may have to t t take him away and hand feed him, you know, but uh, very seldom that happens. Is there a chance that you might have to bring him home? Yeah, yeah. I see. So the two of you will have uh, a baby tiger at home? We'll maybe have a baby together. tiger, yeah. <laughs> I see. Well, maybe we'll go and have a, a closer look at the tigers. Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. That's a good bike. Come on. Come on. That's Alman now, and he's waiting for to go in for to be fed. Now, uh, we're looking at, can, what type of tiger is this fellow? He's the largest uh, tiger of all. He's a Siberian male. And uh, 
He's the largest of all the cats. He weighs at the moment, he's about 450 pounds in weight. Most of the, most of the times, uh, he's quiet, you know. Uh, he wasn't too well recently, so uh, he's under the vet's care at the moment. Uh, he, he had uh, lost his appetite, so at the moment we're trying to get him back on, uh, back to his normal diet. He's on a course of vitamins at the moment. Yeah. Would you actually go into the cage with him? No, I wouldn't because uh, it's not worth uh, it's not worth that risk, you know. Uh, if he has to be treated, we treat him uh, in the meat, you know. If he has to take any tablets or any vitamins like that, uh, it's on the meat that he gets it. So there's actually never really need uh, for the Gwimram unless. Uh, we, ha we have to knock him out for some reason. Now, at the moment, he's licking your hands there. Yeah. But, uh, even that, it's not too dangerous, no? Well, it would be for an amateur, but uh, I'm working with him now for 20 years, you know, and I, uh, he knows me and I know him, and we have an understanding with one another. And uh, you, can, you can tell by his mood, you know, what sort of a mood he's, uh, that he's in. And at the moment, as you can see, He's in a very happy mood. When you have an animal like that, uh, particularly a wild animal, it's always very good for the build up uh, a sort of relationship with them, you know? And I have uh, most of the animals, in fact, all of the animals that I work with, I have a relationship with. And this is a part of the relationship is touching, you know? Come on, good fella. No, that's a good boy. That's a good boy. Come over here. Come on. That's a good boy. Would you like to say something? Alma, come on. Alma, come on. That's him pouring now. That's him pouring now, yeah. That's what saying. When I was speaking to him there now, he was answering me back. And this is part of the relationship that you have to have with an animal like that. The only time, uh, you know, uh, that he can be calm or he gets aggressive is when he's being fed. And then that's nature's way, you see. Uh, he doesn't like to be stroked or indeed he won't let you near him when he is being fed, you know. Uh, he just wants to get on with the job of eating this food. I really find it hard to believe that he's the ferocious animal he's made out to be. Well, if you wait now and watch, you'll see how his mood can change uh, when uh, the meat is introduced to him. Uh, That's right, you're going to feed him now. I'm going to you? feed him now, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we'll have a look at that and see, okay. see just how he does change. I'll now put in the meat uh, here and uh, we let him into his tea. That's a good boy.
Keeper at Dublin Zoo here for the last five years. Julie, how did you start off? Well, it's a long story. I had always been associated with the zoo. I had done a little bit of voluntary work as a kid. I started it when I was about 11. And uh, I graduated to ponies and things like that from the Pets Corner and Cash Desk. Uh, then I went away for a while, worked with horses, and came back when there was a vacancy for a keeper job. And that's how I started. Well, you have a wide variety of animals to look after, don't you? That's right, yes. I look after this house here with tamarins, marmosets and with small monkeys. But our section is called the Avery section and that means we take care of a lot of the birds and also the creatures, the water creatures like the sea lions and the well, otters. We'll be going to have a look at the sea lions in just a few minutes, but mm. can you tell us something about the quarantine section? Because you look after yeah, that's that part of our section too. Um, the quarantine section is where any new animal that comes in goes for about six months to do its quarantine and we have to take care of it up there. Anything that's small enough to go up there really, obviously an elephant or a giraffe couldn't fit, but um, we've had everything up there really from cheetahs, gibbons, raccoons, uh, small cats, the small cats, all sorts of monkeys and birds. You've had to take your work home with you. That's you? true, yeah, often, um, well not too often, but sometimes we get young things born that need to be hand-reared and they need to be uh, taken care of at night as well, so we have to take them home. Things like marmosets here. How do your folks at home feel about you arriving home with a monkey? Oh, they're a used monkey? to it now, they don't mind. Yeah, they don't mind that at all. And it's interesting, it's always fun. Okay, so let's go down and see the sea lions. And I believe you have a few fish there for them, so we'll, right. we'll go down and meet the seals. relationship with these guys as you can see. It's one right beside us here. Now what you you have it you've taught this one a trick, haven't you? Yes, they're marvellous at learning tricks. He's giving you his right flipper. Yeah, just like a dog shaking calls <laughs> really. Come on, good girl, shake. Ah, that's it. And she gets a fish then in return. They're very intelligent. And it doesn't take them too much time to learn a new trick. Don't do anything for a fish. <laughs> good girl. This is the pet. She's, she's partially blind, as you can probably tell by looking at her there. She can see shadows and shapes and that. You can see she moves there. So she doesn't go too badly. Um, but she can't compete with the others in the water. For the fish, she'd get nothing. So she stays on the side and offers the flipper now and again and gets a pat on the fish in return. They're really very clever, yeah? Very intelligent. In fact, they're more clever than... People give them credit for. Peter Wilson, you're the director of Dublin Zoo. Can you tell me how you feel about the relationship between keeper and animal? 
Well, the relationship between the keeper and the animals that he looks after is absolutely fundamental in the sense that the success of keeping an animal in captivity depends on the association between the keeper and the animal that he's, animals that he's looking after. He is, after all, the person responsible for looking after the animals on a daily basis, for feeding and watering them. He'll know their normal behavior. He'll understand straight away if there's something wrong by their abnormal behavior. And he is, therefore, the key person around which the health and, indeed, the breeding success of the animals depend. Dublin Zoo has a fine record of breeding. Um, why do you think that is? Why is it so good? Well, I think we were very fortunate in the early days to breed lions and to establish an international reputation for breeding lions, in fact, in this very house that we're in at the moment. But since then, I think that we have continued to play our part in breeding animals that are increasingly becoming endangered in the wild because of the rate at which their habitat, their natural habitat, is being destroyed. And Dublin Zoo has been successful in breeding a whole range of endangered species. Now, are we possibly approaching a time when the animal will only exist in zoos around the world and won't in fact exist in the wild? Well, we're very close to that with some species. And the only future for many species is in fact in zoological gardens and animal collections like that, because their habitat simply will not exist in the wild. And if we are to hand these magnificent animals on to future generations, it can only be done by maintaining the animals in zoos. Now, how can the public help the zoo, apart from just coming along? Can they do anything more? Well, of course, the best help of all is for the public to come along and visit the zoo and pay their admission charges, because it's that money that we use to maintain the zoo, and without it, we simply would not be here. But they can also come, perhaps, and learn about the animals that are here. The zoo has a very important educational role to play. They can actually see the animals for themselves. They can appreciate the dignity, the majesty of a giraffe, an elephant, appreciate the magnificent markings on a tiger, on a snow leopard, or whatever animal particularly takes their fancy. And it's a whole experience to visit the zoo. And I would hope that perhaps by people visiting the zoo, that they will appreciate what is happening to the environment all around us, and that these animals are worth preserving, that they must be handed on to future generations. Our, our, our aim in the next few years would be to significantly increase the amount of material that's available in the zoo of an educational nature so that people can learn far more about what's happening in the wild, both in this country and, of course, in, in, the, in, in many of the foreign countries where these animals live. Um, I think it's important for the public to appreciate that when they come to a zoo, they will see animals in cages in, in the zoo but they must realize that almost all the animals in the zoo are, have in fact been bred in captivity and are totally at home and happy in the cages where they are being exhibited. If I could talk to the animals, just imagine it, chatting with a chimp and chimpanzee. Imagine talking to a tiger, chatting with a cheetah. What a neat achievement it would be. If we could talk to the animals, Learn their languages, maybe take an animal degree. I'd study elephant and eagle, buffalo and beagle, alligator, guinea pig and flea. I would converse in polar bear and python, and I would curse in fluent kangaroo. If people ask me, 
Can you speak rhinoceros? I'd say, of course not. Can't you? If I conferred with our furry friends, man to animal, think of the amazing repartee. If I could walk with the animals, talk with the animals, grunt and squeak and squawk with the animals. And they can squeak and squawk and speak and talk to me. <laughs> <laughs>